there, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Young UC Podcast. My name is Tim, and it's great to have you with us. It is Sunday, November 15th, 2020, and the world continues to oh, just be crazy in many ways. It's kind of hard to describe it in any other way. Um, in, in Winnipeg, where I am, the, the lockdowns have gotten more uh, more rigorous. That seems to be a, a common trend that I've been saying for the past few weeks anyway. Uh, as cases continue to go up and my hearts go out to all the healthcare workers who are, are, are overwhelmed here in Winnipeg, anywhere in the world. Um, my heart also goes out to all the teachers out there who are still uh, trying to balance all the anxiety and stress and grief of teaching amidst this while, uh, while still trying to care for the, the students uh, that, are, that are under their care. And I'm, I'm just in awe of all of them. So uh, my heart goes out to all of you who are, are, are working in the midst of this anywhere in the world, whatever that looks like. Uh, peace and blessings to all of you. Our scripture reading for today is Isaiah's call. It's Isaiah um, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. It's a a dream Isaiah has, and uh, it's a pretty weird one, but I like those ones. So um, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you find something here that that works for you, and I hope that you find uh, a blessing in your life in the world this next week. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations in all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. I've always struggled with new agey feel goodery, for lack of a better term. And I, and I don't want to offend anyone here, so I'm asking you to, to bear with me as I explain this a little bit. That sense of, oh, love your true self, and, and your true self was inside you all along, and, um, you know, you need to find and live into your truth. Th- things like that have always irked me. And I don't know why. I don't know if it seems too simplistic. I don't know if maybe I just, maybe I feel threatened by it. I remember in a a pastoral care class, our prof showed a movie and I, I really can't remember the movie. I can mostly just remember the conversation afterwards, but it was a movie where someone was talking about you know, moving to this space of self-love and and validation and and you know all the all, all, all a lot of the words that that seemed to trigger me. And after the movie was over, the professor asked the class, "Well, what did you think about this?" And people responded with how wonderful it made them feel, how how how. Uh, how powerful it made them feel, how, what, what, what a wonderful film it was, um, how it lifted them up. I know one person was crying. Uh, and, and to be honest, inside I was just rolling my eyes, uh, sort of this internal eye roll. 
And finally, I put up my hand and I said, to be honest, it just made me angry. And my professor, who, who, who knew me very well and knows me very well, paused and looked at me and, and said, well, Tim, I wonder if you're just not there yet. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Isaiah, and it's Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Now, Isaiah is a very powerful book in, in the Jewish community, in the Christian community. It carries a tremendous amount of theological weight to it. Um... But it's best to look at Isaiah as having been written by by different groups of people. They're sort of generally agreed upon at least three different uh, sources, if not three different individuals. It comes from three different time periods. Um, and this, this part comes from the, the, the oldest time period back in, in ancient Judah um, in the Assyrian crisis. Um, probably... It, there's some argument over whether it was written by Isaiah the prophet himself or or perhaps by some followers of his or people just in his school, um, his school of thought. Uh, but they're writing about uh, the Assyrian crisis when the, the, the mighty empire of Assyria is sweeping down, uh, has destroyed um, or is threatening to destroy Israel, the northern kingdom, and is about to destroy or threatening to destroy Judah. So somewhere, somewhere in, in there. And Isaiah, he was, he was likely a, 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 a priest um, he had a really high theology of, of Jerusalem. He had a high theology of the monarchy and he had a high theology of the temple. The temple meant a lot to him. And that's where this dream occurs. This is considered his call. This dream is his, his call dream where he's called into his ministry by by God. And it occurs in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And God is described in, as utterly enormous. God is flanked by seraphim, which were, were a sort of angel, but not, not the kind of angel we imagine with, you know, essentially just humans with wings, but, but angels that were just massive, had multiple wings, multiple arms, like maybe many heads. Um, I've heard it even said that seraphim uh, can trace a route back to a meaning for fire, you know, that they, they, they were lit up. Uh, so these were terrifying beings. And beside God, they were almost insignificant in, in the room, in the Holy of Holies, uh, uh, God's hem, that's sort of the bottom of God's cloak, filled the whole room. And so you get this sense of this just massive, massive being. Uh, Isaiah, uh, the author, is trying to, to describe and give you a sense of how 
utterly enormous and massive and beyond comprehension, um, this vision of God was. And so God is in this temple in the Holy of Holies, and that's sort of the center of the temple complex. There's, there's the Holy of Holies, uh, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. And the Ark of the Covenant is the, the, the box where um, supposedly the, the, the stones, the tablets that Moses uh, shared with the people wandering through the desert um, where they were placed. And so they were brought into this room, into this Holy of Holies, and it was meant to be God's throne. God sat above this cover over the ark. And that's where God, God sat. So here in the Holy of Holies, it was this, this single, single room, which was the seat of God's manifested presence in the world. And outside there was, you know, another room and beyond that there was the courtyard, but this was the most sacred location in all of Judaism. It was, it was built by King Solomon, um, in, uh, in first Kings and, uh, and it became this, this central focus of, of cultic religious practice in, in ancient Israel. And what's interesting about this passage is how scared Isaiah is. Isaiah worries about his uncleanliness. And there's reason for that. In, in Leviticus, we get a sense that uh, they describe the ritual on, on the Day of Atonement, which is the one day of the year that one person the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. And to do that, this person had to go through uh, a number of rituals and rites, ritual cleanings. They had to change their clothes. They, they had to um, make sure there was smoke burning in such a way so that they couldn't see uh, uh, God in that room. It sort of clouded, clouded the, the priest's vision of God. And it was such an important place that this day of atonement that happened once a year, it, it wasn't to make the people of Israel look better to God, to make them more acceptable to God. It was because they didn't want their uncleanliness, their sin, their, uh, uh, to, to, to corrupt the sanctuary, to defile the sanctuary, the seat of God in the world. And so every year they would, along with sacrifices, they would um, uh, send a goat out into the wilderness that would carry their, the, the, the sin of the, the, the nation, the uncleanliness of the nation out into the wilderness so that these people where God chose to dwell among, they weren't corrupting or defiling the sanctuary, the place of, of God's presence here on earth. And this offers some interesting exploration, especially when we look at corporate sin, when we look at uh, racism or inequality or sexism, at the, the destruction of the environment. All of these sins, you can see how they would corrupt 
the sanctuary, this, this earth where this creation, where God chooses to be incarnate. But when we look at it from a, a personal level, well, that, that's when it can be potentially dangerous, um, damaging. Isaiah is so worried about his own purity about or lack of purity about his his uncleanliness in the sanctuary he's so worried about it he's worried that it's going to um well he'll die because of it you know i'm i'm lost he's go, he's going to die because he he's not clean enough to enter into this holy of holies and what's important to note here is that it's not God worried about his uncleanliness. It's just Isaiah. He's got a lot of baggage. I think we all have a lot of baggage. I see a, a therapist or saw a therapist quite regularly before um, before COVID hit. I still talk to her on the phone from time to time. But um, I remember at one meeting, we were sitting and talking and something just bubbled to the top. It was this sense of, I said, you know, I'm just really worried that I'm just a disappointment um, and as soon as I said that, I, I felt it bubble up within me and I'm like, oh, here we go. Cause I'd hit on something sensitive and I cried and, and yeah, so there was something real and genuine there. Some sense of, of some idea that I, I was a disappointment that I wasn't who I was supposed to be, who I thought I was supposed to be. You know, like Isaiah, Isaiah thought he was supposed to be a certain way before, before he would be acceptable to be before God. And since he wasn't this way, he was worried he was going to be killed for it. We all have this sense of this idea of, of who we're supposed to be. You know, we have this sense that we're, we're, we're not this person and and who we're supposed to be it comes from all sorts of different places you know it comes from from our our culture it comes from our family systems it comes from our social circles it it it, it comes from from our our religion you know this idea this is who you should be you want to be a good person you want to be who you're supposed to be this is it and so we have these ideas of, of who we are supposed to be, who the world is telling us to be. You want to be normal. You want to be good. This is who you need to be. And if you're outside of that, well, then we have a problem. And so many of us carry um, guilt or anxiety or shame because we don't measure up to that. And it comes from all sorts of different places. Um, my son 
came in to, to the room this morning and he'd gotten his own clothes and, uh, and he was wearing these bright Spider-Man pants and a, a crazy shirt, a Paw Patrol shirt that when you press a button on it, lights flash on it. And he was wearing a Bombers t-shirt, a, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers t-shirt. He was super excited about, and he had these racing car socks on and he's like so proud of himself that he'd picked out his own outfit and he just loved it. And my heart was sad in one sense because I knew there would come a day when he would check that desire to dress in this certain way that that it would be held against you know other influences whether it's um, criticism at school for how someone dresses or seeing some other kid get criticized for how they dress or, or just sort of a general sense of wanting to fit in and be normal. And that in all likelihood, this, this free living joyous attire he was wearing could in all likelihood become uh, unacceptable to him, even though he loves it. I have another friend. He's a, um, uh, a farmer and his family's farmer. Like he comes from, you know, a long line of farmers and he wants to farm differently on his land. He's got a desire to farm, uh, uh restoratively, um, in a way that's very different from, from, you know, the traditional farming that his family does, that his uncle still do. And he feels tremendous shame about wanting to do it his own way. Not that his family criticizes him for it, but he's got this internal um, block or internal voice, which says, well, that's how they do it. And, uh, and, and it, and it's a resistance against him trying to farm in this new way, in a, in a way that he wants to, in a way that he feels good about. And it's not just him struggling with his um, baggage around his family and, and how they'll see him and perceive of him. It's the economics of it all. The way he sees it is it's really hard to be a successful farmer, uh, trying to farm any way other than the traditional way. Now, whether or not that's true, I couldn't say, but, but that's just the perception that he's carrying right now. And that's the perception that he's, he's, he's struggling with. So that's an example of, of a couple external influences, a couple of external pressures, his family, um, he's not farming the way they think he should be. And, the the, the economics of it all. The, the, the financial end of it is saying he's not being who he should be. Um, otherwise, he'd be making more money. And, and he struggles with that. He really struggles um, with that. Uh, there, there's so many ways that we carry this sort of baggage, that we carry this sense that we're not who we should be. We're not who the world tells us to be and it weighs us down as i was reflecting on this sermon my mind kept going to people in the lgbtq 
community and some of the stories that we can hear coming out of that community, um, stories of, of transition or, or, or coming out stories in general, they reflect this, this beautiful human story of moving beyond who we are told to be who the world tells us to be, who families tell us to be, who our religion tells us to be, sometimes who are our own bodies even tell us who to be. To becoming who we truly are in, in a very physical way. Um, the, the, the struggle that many go through in the LGBTQ community, well, there's a sacredness in that movement of spirit that I think uh, offers wisdom to, to all humanity. As we grapple with the demands that the world places on us, as we grapple with who the world tells us to be versus who we truly are inside. Because the story in our scripture today is a story about us moving beyond who we think we're supposed to be. Moving beyond who we think we're supposed to be so that we can find out who God wants us to be. Who God made us to be. How do we get rid of all that baggage, that, that, that need to be who we're told by the world so that we can be who we actually are? The story from our scripture today is the story of a man who, who doesn't think he is who he's supposed to be. He, he says, uh, uh, I'm unclean. I, I should die. And often when this scripture story gets read is we interpret the divine response as um, implicitly saying with the coal because, you know, the seraphim put some coal on Isaiah's lips. And we interpret that as the divine saying, yes, you are unclean, but I will clean you. But I choose to read it as sort of an eye roll from God. You know, as though, as though God is saying, okay, what do you need to feel like it's okay that I called you? What do you need in order to feel like you can answer, here I am, Lord? You need coal on your lips? Okay, here, here, here's some coal on your lips. There, your sin is blotted out. Now, now whom shall I send? Um, similar question to, the, to the, the people wandering in the desert. Okay, what do you need to feel like I'm with you? You, you need to put all your, 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 your sin into a goat and send it out into the wilderness? Okay, you know, do, do that. Make some sacrifices, clear the temple of the uncleanliness, and then we can 
just move beyond that. You can move beyond that. You don't need to carry that. You can just be mine. One thing I love about the story of scripture, the stories throughout scripture is that God is always going not to the, to the perfect, not to the ideal, not, not to people who are, um, epitomes of, of goodness and holiness and, and wonder, but, but, but people that are, are fundamentally flawed and scared and wounded and who carry tremendous baggage from their lives. That's who God goes to. And so when God goes to these people, when God goes to Isaiah, when God goes to you and says, okay, whom shall I send? The question we're asked is, okay, how do we, what do we need in order to get to yes? I don't believe any atonement theology is for God's sake to make us acceptable to God. Any idea that we need to sacrifice or, or um, you know, that, that Jesus died on the cross so that God could forgive our sins. I don't buy that. What I do buy is maybe that needed to happen so we could trust that we are forgiven, that God can approach us, that, that, that we now have the, the ability to say yes, because we can't find another way to move past our baggage, to move past our sense that, that we're not worthy, that we're not valuable enough, that we're not clean enough, that we're not good enough. Because God doesn't care about those things. God doesn't care about any of that. All God cares about is getting us to yes. God is, is calling us. God is calling all of us. God is calling you to be who you were made to be. Not to be perfect the way society defines perfection. Not to be successful the way society defines successful. Not to be who the world around you tells you you should be. God is calling you to move beyond that and to be who you were made to be. Once we move past who the world tells us we're supposed to be, we can focus more on who God made us to be. The world tells us we have to be a certain way. So when God says, whom shall I send? What do we need in order to say, here I am, send me. What do we need to trust that maybe God is actually calling us, that we might actually be of worth?
that we might actually have something to offer from ourselves. What do we need in order to say yes? Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Young UC podcast. If you liked what you heard, go to youngunitedchurch.com. There you can connect with past worship, sermons, music, and learn a little bit more about who we are and some of the outreach that we do. All of our work in the world, from supporting outreach in Winnipeg, to sponsoring refugees, to creating content for listeners like you, is supported by donations. If you'd like to support us, please find us through Canada Helps or directly through our website. Thanks very much and have a good day.